0: There's been an update on the Miles Bridges situation. They've reached a plea deal. We'll talk about some of the details coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day in the minute, We live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube, by the way. You can check us out on Twitter at Walker Mail. Also check out Doug on Twitter, Doug Branson, LOH. You can find his work also at everyhornetsboxscore.com. We're doing a show today because we finally got a plea in the Miles Bridges situation. Baxter Holmes broke this news about 5 p.m. Eastern time, maybe 5.15, something like that we're recording this show on november 3rd at 7 30 as we speak that's when we've started this recording if any statements come out that we were not able to get to we apologize we are putting this again november 3rd 7 30 p.m eastern so we did get some news on the miles bridges situation miles bridges pleads no contest in a deal with la county prosecutors he will receive no jail time he'll be on three years probation The no contest plea means Bridges is accepting the punishment and the conviction without formally admitting guilt in this case. Bridges was accused of assaulting his then-girlfriend in front of their two children in May. In July, the LA County DA filed multiple felony domestic violence charges against Miles Bridges. Bridges will be required to complete 52 weeks of domestic violence counseling and 52 weeks of parenting classes. He will serve 100 hours of community service and undergo weekly narcotics testing with marijuana allowed only if there is a valid doctor's prescription. Now, if you look at what Miles Bridges was originally charged with, the charges filed in July were one felony count of injuring a child's parent. And two felony counts of child abuse under circumstances or conditions likely to cause great bodily injury or death. The DA's July release said the children were present for the alleged assault, but did not otherwise specify what the child abuse counts stemmed from. So, Doug, during this process, we had seen this process continued quite a few times. I believe we approached double digit amount of times that we would see this process was quite literally continued. We finally have a plea deal. What this means, by the way, just some more information before we start to share our thoughts on this. That Baxter Holmes writes, who was the first one to report this, by the way, a part of ESPN.com. Baxter Holmes did write At the moment, Bridges remains unsigned. But if he were to sign with a team, the NBA, under the collective bargaining agreement, has the right to suspend, fine, dismiss, or disqualify him from any further association from the league because he pleaded no contest. The Hornets extended a qualifying offer to Miles Bridges. That was really right before he had turned himself in to be arrested to LAPD. So with all of that, Doug, share your thoughts on what's taken place here with Miles Bridges and the entire process coming out with this plea deal.
1: Yeah, I tried to uh, do my best as we, uh, you know, reported on the details of the incident at first, and then discussed, you know, possible outcomes. Uh, I did my best to warn uh, folks that this would likely not have a sort of clean cut resolution. That oftentimes, as these things make their way through uh, our legal system, they, they, there, there's a variety of different ways it could go, and and oftentimes when you're dealing with victims and families and children uh, that, that oftentimes, and it appears in this case uh, from the reporting uh, that Baxter Holmes was doing and from the statements from the um, LA County uh, District Attorney's Office, that they felt like that this was the best way to get some kind of accountability for the, the conduct, even if you don't get a guilty plea. And it appears that the victim in this case and her representatives were consulted about the proposed resolutions and agreed with the outcome of the case and wanted it to be an expedited um, resolution. Uh, you know, my, obviously I, I hope that um, Michelle Johnson, the victim in this case um, is, is satisfied with this resolution can move on. uh, will get restitution. Uh, there's a 10 year uh, restraining order essentially on, on this. Um, so, you, you know, my, my, obviously, I think my thoughts are are with her in that situation, and um, I don't, in terms of my opinion on it, I don't want Miles Bridges to be part of the Charlotte Hornets organization moving forward. He is a restricted free agent, so there is some connection with the organization, but he's but he's um, not under contract with the organization, uh, and and now we wait to see if the Charlotte Hornets decide to say anything about this, anything further, because it's been no comment. They've been gathering information. We'll see if they've gathered any additional information and have anything to say about this.
0: So, okay, and let's just start there before we move on to a couple of different segments. Obviously, this is going to be the theme of the show discussing the Miles Bridges situation, the Hornets in the past. I don't know if they've had two statements on this. I know that they've at least had one and that the Charlotte Hornets basically have decided to say We understand the severity of the situation. They've been clear to say that they understand the severity of it, but that they're still collecting information at this time and that they also have no comment at the time that they would release the statement and or statements. I apologize. I don't have that right if I have one or two, but we do know at least that there was one. So now that we have this information, Doug, one of the things that we understand the Hornets were going to do was let the legal process play out. As far as how they're concerned, the legal process... Has played out. So the unless, Hornets, unless
1: they view unless they view the restitution piece, which is scheduled, I think the correct. hearing is scheduled for January thirteenth. Unless they feel like that is part of it, they could use that as as sort of a delay tactic. But yes, you're right. The sort of main part I mean, of the legal process right. that they've hid behind uh, is is over.
0: So using that as camouflage, I even understand some of the commentary from the Hornets for a long time for the most part in these situations, I do feel like less is more to a certain extent, but also you just don't want them to continue to say the wrong thing. And the Hornets say severity, no statement still collecting number or no, no further comment, whatever. But now they have some things here. So I don't know what the Charlotte Hornets are going to respond with. I know that you might be a little skeptical that they respond in any type of way as this has now come to a plea deal. Um, with the Charlotte Hornets side of this, we know that the NBA can decide to discipline Miles Bridges however they want to. And that was something that was a little unclear to me, and maybe it was just my misinterpretation of the collective bargaining agreement. Sometimes that gets lost in the sauce when you're trying to make sense of it all. But the NBA, they're able to do whatever they want to. I believe also the association for what I've seen They've been able to discipline Miles however they wanted to this entire time. But of course, everyone is going to hide, quote unquote, behind the legal process. I I don't know what punishment is going to come down for Miles Bridges. I don't know the severity of it. When we discuss some of the longer suspensions we've seen recently, Doug, it's really been in for violation of the NBA drug program. OJ Mayo disqualified for two years before he had the opportunity to apply for reinstatement. Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans is someone that just was eligible to apply for reinstatement at the beginning of 2022, and he was disqualified from the NBA for a couple of years. But violating the NBA's drug program is not the same as a felony domestic violence charge that ends up in a plea deal where he has three years probation on the part of One Mile's Bridges. I would think, okay, especially if you want to account for the violations of the drug program, man, this seems like something that should call for at least that. Now, a lot of people, just because of maybe the arbitrary number and or situation that would allow a player to miss the rest of the season, that seems to be the punishment most people are going with, maybe for simplicity, maybe because they've worked it out themselves. I don't know. But what I do know is that it has to be a pretty damn severe suspension for Miles Bridges, and it just might not be severe enough for a lot of people that choose to evaluate this this entire arrest that led to a plea deal.
1: Sports leagues and sports teams have long histories of not caring about violence against women, whether it be sexual violence or domestic violence. Um, you know, and and across all all sports leagues, not not just the NBA. Um, th- this has been a problem for a long time. Uh, the the one The one exception that stands out in my mind is the Jeff Taylor incident when he was a member of the Bobcats, and that was a longer suspension, and that came on the heels of the of the Ray Rice incident. So the question is: Obviously, it's going to be a non-zero punishment for Miles Bridges, but does the NBA take this opportunity to make a stand, to make a statement, and say we have gathered more information, we saw the pictures, and uh, whether it's no contest, or you know uh, th- that's the the formal legal outcome? But the you know there's there's a difference between the formal legal outcome and then uh, public opinion and public relations when it comes to the league and the team. Uh, they they can choose to make a stand here, and the team can make a statement as well. I don't I don't think they will. Uh, that's just my prediction. Um, I, I think they will allow because again, he's not under contract with the team. They pulled the the qualifying offer uh, that yeah. both parties agreed to get rid of that. There is really no other than the Hornets having an opportunity to match. I don't think they'll do that. I think if a team does. Uh, you know after the suspension is over, if if the hornets could still match in that in, in that instance and a team were to come along um, and and take the risk, uh, then I don't think the hornets would match, but I don't think the incentive is there for them to really make any kind of statement uh, because he's not contractually part of the team anymore. Uh, the NBA will have their opportunity. I think all of this is complicated by several incidents that uh, the league is dealing with, but foremost is the Joshua Primo uh, situation uh, going on between the San Antonio Spurs and, and the league itself. Uh, this is going to, this is all going to get very complicated.
0: All right, let's talk about precedent and lack thereof. Let's do that coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast discussing some of the other ways that some of these players have been suspended before, as well as what could possibly be on the horizon for miles bridges, how the Charlotte Hornets operate under all of this, as well as the NBA. So for tone, let's go ahead and go in this, right? So let's talk about some of the other cases that we've had here, Doug. Um, Look, as far as precedent is understood on my end, we've seen Jeffrey Taylor, which I think had been talked about coincidentally, Um, being the last player to be suspended for domestic violence. And he was a Bobcat being the coincidental word being in there suspended 24 games. As I was mentioning, I believe a little bit earlier, Jeffrey Taylor was suspended for aggressively pushing a woman across a hotel hallway. She fell, she hit her head. She eventually had a bump on her head. Also had um, marks on her upper arm and a bump on her head, as I mentioned, but declined medical treatment. Taylor was arrested by East Lansing police officers after the fact. Suspended 24 games, decided that he wasn't going to fight it. The NBA, the um, the excuse, the director of personnel, or excuse me, I, not director of personnel, but Michelle Roberts, I, I forget the title, it's just escaping my head at the moment, but I know Michelle Roberts and the uh, Players Association, they were going to fight it But eventually, Jeffrey Taylor decided not to, so he ended up just serving the full 24-game suspension. Now, you also got an eight-game suspension for Darren Collison, and that was on an incident for domestic battery involving his wife at their home in the Sacramento suburb in Granite Bay. That would cost him about $380,000 if you want to talk about the financial hit. So eight games for Darren Collison, 24 for Jeffrey Taylor. You mentioned the Ray Rice incident maybe affecting the Jeffrey Taylor incident in 2014 is when that occurred. We now know that the Me Too era has rightfully so emphasized a greater a, a greater amount of attention on domestic violence in America and how to stop it as much as possible. Now the Darren Collison incident, that took place 2016-2017 the Me Too era, that probably gained, it, as far as what I can see, it gained like widespread attention in about 2017. What Miles Bridges is accused of doing here is pretty heinous, and I am in no way trying to put on a hierarchy the list of domestic violence allegations towards these players. But we know when you have a felony, right, there's a reason that this was listed with the classification as a felony. When you have a felony domestic violence charge on top of child abuse counts too, This, to me, seems a little bit in the unprecedented era, especially when you're talking about this being off the heels of Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson was not accused of domestic violence. He was accused of over 20 sexual misconduct and assault allegations. We have seen domestic violence cases in the NFL quite a bit, and even involving their stars. To me, this has a little bit of that feel, Doug. I I do think that Adam Silver is going to come down on this. I do. I, I I don't know how much of a choice you have. Now, Adam Silver could decide that he's not going to get involved, but I I, I can't view a scenario where there isn't some type of suspension. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't happy with it, myself possibly included for sure. I could easily see that happening, but I do think a suspension is going to take place. I do think it is going to be more severe than the 24 games we saw for Jeffrey Taylor. What say you on this? If you do care to speculate on what type of punishment might come his way.
1: I think it will. I think it will be unprecedented because I think, um, yeah, I think the, the situation um, is a lot different than it was many years ago. At least I'm hopeful that that's the case. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, again, I don't, I don't have a ton of faith, even today, in both organizations and the NBA to really take this as seriously as they need to take this. And how serious is that? Well, it's serious enough that it would deter this kind of conduct in the future from players that have, uh, you you know, that that have a lot of notoriety, um, are, you know... um, you know, have influence with their behavior does influence, I think the behavior of other people. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that the NBA does come down pretty severely. Um, and you, you know, we'll see. I, I just, that's it. I, I really don't have a lot of faith. Uh, I don't think that the Horn- the Hornets will face questions on this. I mean, Steve Clifford, um, has, so far, I've been pretty deft at at removing uh, the the answers to those questions with the legal system. Having play, played out, You know, he'll have to – well, he doesn't have to, but we'll see what he says and, and see if uh, they make Mitch Kupchak available as well. Because, look, the, the fact is Miles Bridges was a big part of this organization, drafted by this mm-hmm. organization, and they were ready before all of this happened. This organization was ready to do whatever it took to make Miles Bridges a centerpiece of this organization. You've had other players, by the way, LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, in some kind of fashion, uh, express a desire for Miles Bridges to continue to be part of this organization. Uh, They will continue to get questions on that. I think, I hope they they would continue to get questions on that. And, you know, the the no contest, it not being a guilty plea, does unfortunately leave them room uh, to, to maneuver in that direction. Uh, yep. I would be shocked again. I would be shocked if this organization pursued a future with Miles Bridges, but I, don- I also don't give it a zero percent chance.
0: That that's the interesting part. I want to take a moment to discuss just real quickly before we move on. So so often in these situations, Doug, of domestic violence of wrongdoing, it's all about how much talent you have and does that allow you to get over in your way whatever it is that you're accused of doing or have actually been found of doing. Miles Bridges, as we discuss some of these players here, especially you were kind of looking at a list of, I don't want to be you know, wrong in saying these words, but have been accused and or found of domestic violence, domestic battery, whatever. You were kind of going down the list. And unfortunately, their players, not unfortunately, but just as far as the knowledge that we could gain from those situations apply it here. That's what I mean with unfortunately. But when you were discussing those players, it are, it's players that were not going to be set to make million a year, whether you think that has any bearing or should have any bearing or not on each evaluation. It does clearly when you're really talented, like miles bridges. I have to wonder if a team is just going to weather the PR hit, weather the storm that allows you at the end of, I don't know, two years, however long of a time you want to put in there. If they decide that they're just going to take all that hit, eventually attention And emphasis on that story, it does go away. And one story I've referenced quite a bit is the way that Kansas City handled this. And Kansas City might regret handling it that way. I don't know. But Kansas City decided after Kareem Hunt's video in the hotel that went public, the star running back that was on a rookie-scale contract, pretty valuable guy to have. But they decided after the hotel video released of him kicking a woman on the ground that they would release him, cut ties with Kareem, done. What happens after the fact is that the Cleveland Browns decide to go after the talented player, and we don't really talk about Kareem Hunt that much anymore. In fact, he was actually a valuable commodity on the trade market. Now, not enough to get a deal done, but could be that the Cleveland Browns were asking for a fourth-round pick, which could be a starter in the NFL. doesn't matter. Kareem Hunt still valued as a better running back in the league. And so Kansas City, based off of the film that was released, they cut him immediately, but Those benefits, as far as the football benefits go, they go to Cleveland because, hell, they're just going to deal with everything and move on from this. Does Charlotte view that situation, not specifically, but do they think about the scenario of, well, if another team is just going to take Miles Bridges up on a contract, then we might as well just go ahead and do it too because we don't want to miss out on some really talented play. Unfortunately, that might be happening in the minds of all these NBA teams as they wrestle the PR hit with the talent that is Miles Bridges on an NBA court?
1: Well, I think again, the 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 that would be the cynical sort of nuclear option, right? To say, mm-hmm. all right, this is going to be a long suspension. And so after after that long suspension, will it be out of the public consciousness enough for him to enter the comeback portion of this right because that's what we often see as as you just stated that the next team gets it because the 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 current team can't bring the player back and market that player in the same way that they were marketing like <laughs> yeah. it would be difficult for the hornets to put Miles Bridges front and center and and and, and just pretend like nothing happened but Anytime you and I talk about this Walker on this show, there is a subset of the comment sections on our Twitter feeds and on the YouTube comment sections that say, well, doesn't everyone deserve a second chance? And to that, I always say, well, sure. I mean, you know, he he deserves a second chance to do a lot of things. Does he deserve more significantly more money and more power than most human beings have on this earth? I would say no, he does not deserve that he deserve. You know, he has gone through the legal system. He, you know, um, and, and and manipulated it and in, in, in the ways that are legally allowed to be manipulated. And 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 now he doesn't have to go to jail and he can do a lot of other things. But there's still a subset of the, the comment section that will say second chance, second chance, second chance. And so there will be a team ultimately that profits off of the narrative of, okay, he did the proverbial NBA time for the crime, and now um, he can go on the, the sort of... Comeback tour, and and we've seen. By the way, we've seen Miles Bridges in plenty in the background of plenty of videos, uh, working out with other NBA players. So it, it's not as if Miles yeah. Bridges is being completely ostracized from the NBA community, uh, and and the NBA community, as we've seen in, in a lot of these different situations, tend to protect other people within the NBA community, uh, and so um, you know that that situation. Uh, I, I think is is definitely a, a viable option. I don't know that it's necessarily viable for Charlotte. But this isn't, you know, this isn't the George Shin owned uh, Charlotte Hornets that had, you know, strict moral clauses that were all kinds of problematic in and of themselves and could code in all kinds of language. But, um, you know, this is definitely a different era Uh, where a lot of different PR calculations are being taken into account. That's why I give it a non-zero chance that Miles Bridges ends up in a Charlotte Hornets uniform. Uh, But I certainly hope that
0: that's not the case. Okay, you bring up a couple of things I do want to talk about. Let's move on to the final segment here of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. One, something that we have discussed, it's been Michael Jordan the Charlotte Hornets, possibly releasing a statement on this, something we just don't know for sure, but maybe it would behoove them to do so. And I want to talk a little bit more about representing the organization and whether Charlotte is ready for Miles Bridges to do that if they decide to keep him on the, not keep him, but bring him back to the roster because, remember, he does remain unsigned. So let's jump into that, Doug. The statement thing is kind of interesting to me because – you mentioned how this is not the George Shinn owned, uh, George Shinn owned operation anymore. In fact, that's Michael Jordan. Well, one of the things I've very much so enjoyed talking about is the and growth. By the way,
1: I did not, I did not mean uh, when I said that, because there's a lot of, again, there was a lot of problematic ideas surrounding how he owned the team and the moral <laughs> uh standards that he held himself to uh and and held the team to and and there was just a lot of problems with that so I was not in any way uh (laughs) sort of using that as an example of how teams should operate today I'm just saying there are different PR calculuses from that era than there are now
0: well here's the thing though like with Michael Jordan owning the team One of the things I've enjoyed talking about most or just thought was most interesting was the growth of Michael Jordan when it comes to speaking out on societal issues, as well as his, as well as philanthropy. And that's something I found very interesting with his growth as an owner, along with the Charlotte Hornets being out in front of some of the stuff that we would find problematic in today's social climate. So when we discuss Michael Jordan opening Novant Health Clinics, donating a ton of money and opening up. You know, quite a few clinics in poverty stricken areas of town that have little to no health care. When you're discussing the donation of one hundred million dollars to charities that benefit African-Americans in that all across whatever types of things that would benefit African-Americans for like there have been so many different things that Michael Jordan has had his hand in when it comes to a philanthropic standpoint. They also use the Spectrum Center as a polling place in order for people to allow their voice to be heard, maybe in otherwise times that they wouldn't be able to, right? That's also not necessarily related 100% to Miles Bridges being arrested for felony domestic violence. I do wonder, with Michael Jordan and the Hornets being out in in the forefront of of these types of things, would it be hypocritical for them not to release a statement here? Like regardless of whether it's right or wrong for every NBA franchise, right? It's clearly wrong if you don't address this and take uh, proper action. But is it even hypocritical to the point of the Hornets where look, Dangerous territory because I don't want to erase all of the good that the Hornets have done. Hell, we have celebrated that multiple times. We are sure to give the Hornets a ton of praise because they are out in front of some of this stuff. And that's why they've been so great. The PR stuff, man, they they get a lot of PR stuff right. I I, I would be disappointed. And I know, I know you don't have a lot of faith just because of the way that American sports operate anyway, all sports operate. I would definitely be disappointed if we didn't hear something you know, from MJ, from the team, something like that. I,
1: I Of course, I would be disappointed. I mean, I think it would be fantastic if this organization and all NBA organizations had a zero tolerance policy for this kind of thing. It would go a long way in saying that the NBA and teams take violence against women seriously. And uh but, you know, um again, I don't feel like there's been a lot of evidence of that in the past. And I'll also say this. When I make a prediction that they're not going to say anything, part of my reasoning in that is that there hasn't been a massive amount of attention paid to this particular incident uh, other than local coverage. You're not hearing oh, it people have the been NBA.
0: scared to death to talk about this. Like no right. one's talked about it on well, a national
1: And level. I think, deme- I think that goes for domestic violence in general. I think it's a, it is a messy complicated subject that would seem on its face to have some very obvious things that, Hey, we shouldn't support domestic violence. We should call it out. We should call it what it is. Um, and, but, but it is, it is difficult because so much of this happens in the privacy of people's homes and, and that's where a lot of this gets messy. Right. So, but it's not being talked about on inside NBA and it's not being talked about on a national level. And, you know, I, I would look at like the Kyrie situation right now and say, that's an example of a situation that has a lot of national attention and a lot of pressure being applied by reporters asking tough questions constantly asking those questions badgering the the nets into releasing statements and saying things and condemning things and you can't even get the <laughs> you can't even get the teams the the brooklyn nets and the nba to come out and definitively say hey we're against anti-semitism seems like an easy thing to come out and make a statement about and and it's been difficult to get all of those parties on the same page that say hey we, we shouldn't do anti-semitism so no i don't have because of all of that and the fact that nobody's really talking about this outside of this local bubble and Baxter Holmes who's reporting on it for ESPN, I don't feel like there's going to be enough pressure applied to an organization that, remember, I'm going to keep bringing this up, does not have any contractual obligations to Miles Bridges. And so I think in the cynical calculus of it all, you would look at it and go, well, if we do nothing, we're not going to see a tremendous amount of blowback. The NBA is going to handle the punishment for us. And and we couldn't punish them even if we wanted to, other than by just saying we're not going to bring them back. And so we'll just let all that happen and then, you know, move on with LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, and Steve Clifford.
0: Yeah, the other thing is, and you I, mentioned I, it there. I, I hope Go that ahead. they
1: don't do that, by the way. I hope that they don't do that. I'm just, you know... As oftentimes I've done on this show around this subject and many others, I'm just trying to bring a cold dose of reality and realism uh, to to what I've just witnessed over over my years of, of of you know paying close attention to this stuff.
0: Well, look, and and when we want to talk about talent allowing you to get away with stuff, we can go to Myers Leonard using an anti-Semitic slur during a Call of Duty live stream, and here we are with Kyrie Irving not being released the way that Myers Leonard was right. Like this is, it, there are different circumstances for the team with a couple of these players. And I trying to look up some of the details with the miles Leonard thing, as you brought that up, but I know that there was a indefinite leave of absence for him. And then eventually I do think they got rid of Myers. He didn't get picked up by another NBA team. That was it. Well, I'll give, you, you, know, I'll give
1: you another example. I mean, if we look at um, the uh, driving under the influence um, charge that uh is, is currently being dealt with by James Booknight. If you look back at the Ty Lawson situation, um, again, that was a, an organization making a calculus uh, or, or making a, uh, trying to make a decision there. And so they released a statement, uh, the Denver Nuggets released a statement that was bare bones, no comment. And Ty Lawson gets popped again, they just release him and they say, all right, the NBA is going to take care of the punishment a couple of months down the line when the legal system resolves itself. The NBA punished him when he was part of a different team. And because Ty Lawson was kind of on the fringe of the roster anyway, it wasn't as if he was like a star player for the Nuggets at the time. So that's the that's the decision tree that they went down. You know the Hornets are dealing with the same similar situation with uh, James Booknight facing this first uh, serious charge. They're they're going to let this play out. They're not going to make a comment. The NBA will eventually punish James Booknight for two or three games if he's found guilty of the charge, and then because James Booknight is a young player and is relatively. Uh, His expected value is higher because he's on a rookie scale contract The, the organization will probably make the decision to stick by James Booknight and and not send him to another team unless he gets into some other kind of trouble and then that decision calculus suddenly changes.
0: All right, and, and just real quickly with the update on Myers Leonard, I just want to get the stuff right, right? I mean, it, it's 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 kind of important. Um, yeah, Myers Leonard when he said that indefinite leave of absence, the Heat actually traded him to Oklahoma City Thunder. So he had those comments on March eighth, I believe, and then March twenty fifth.
1: Let it be he, some other team's problem. That's the, if yeah, you're getting anything yeah. from this whole uh, podcast, it's that oftentimes when teams are faced with a decision of, you know, let's deal with this or let some other team deal with it, oftentimes the team will take the road of, all right, let's just get rid of this problem so that we can move on and play basketball.
0: But, and and so, so it's interesting, right? So uh, just again, traded on March 17th after March 8th comments released by- I'll eventually let you
1: get all of the details out.
0: (laughs) You're good, you're good. Released by the Thunder afterwards. And, you know, that was it. But you say problem, right? How do you view this? It's certainly a problem PR wise, but also you have to view this as far as a basketball benefit for some of these teams that choose to weather the PR storm. So do the Hornets after, you know, Myers Leonard, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to continue to go there, but just a player that is not as talented as miles, you would allow him to leave the organization. He could be a problem for someone else. And it's not like they're going to reap any benefit that have so, so much uh, consequences going your way where it's like, man, you know, really sucks that we missed out on that talent. Miles, unfortunately, so might have a team thinking that way. So is, is Miles Bridges treated the same way where, okay, we're just going to let another team take this headache away or is it, well, they'll just deal with the head headache until they're actually better on the other side of this. Like that's, yeah, that, that's the thing. Now, you talk about representing and marketing the team. That's why the Charlotte Hornets, I mean, they should cut ties here and and not bring him back, right? They are in a place where they could hide behind the uncertainty of him being on the roster because the fact that he does remain unsigned, you know, he has a qualifying offer. Hornets can match whatever salary that is extended to him from any other team, but... He's not signed. He's not on the team. Steve Clifford's talked about it quite a bit when asked about it. I can only coach the guys on the team. I can only coach the guys that are here. So that's what he said. If if they decide to bring him back in whatever capacity, however this shapes up, man, you're right about the whole marketing thing. There is no Sky Miles bobblehead. There is no T-shirts with Miles Bridges face on it next to LaMelo, next to whatever young star we hope the Hornets draft in the future. There is none of that. There's not so much the celebrating of one Miles Bridges being on this team. You can't have that guy represent this franchise. And for that reason, that's why I don't want him to be a Charlotte Hornet, even if there was no formal admission of guilt on Miles' part. We've seen what we've seen. You can make whatever judgment you want.
1: And you you can't unsee
0: that. You can make whatever judgment you want to. I'm sure, the YouTube commenters are going to be letting me know that, and that's absolutely fine. But that's the judgment I come to, and it's kind of the judgment I hope the Hornets come to as well.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm totally in yeah. agreement, and uh, I will hope for the best, but also prepare myself with the armor of realism. Like I try to straddle the line between cynicism and optimism, um, mm-hmm. and and try to be prepared for the worst and and expect the best. Uh, and I think the resolution to this just like the resolution of this uh, court case is probably going to f- uh, fall somewhere uncomfortably in between.
0: All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Appreciate you listening, making us your first listen. We'll uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow, and you can catch the Locked On NBA episode as well on your second listen. Wherever you get your pods, YouTube, all that good stuff. Wherever you get your podcast, again, check out Locked On NBA, your daily thirty minute update on everything taking place within the association. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will be back with you on Monday.